When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Michigan State takes down number fifth ranked Illinois, 81 to 72, uh, and really a decisive win, Rod. Um, they really controlled this thing. It was a little slow, uh, from the tip, um, for Michigan State's offense, but then the defense kind of held it in, uh, for long enough until they can start making some shots, uh, and then pushed it out to about seven to ten for most of the first half. Um, Illinois claws back to within six and then Hauser has a huge three, uh, and then knocks down a couple free throws leading going into the half. So that put them up 10. Uh, and then they pretty much rode it out for most of the second half. At one time, it looked like, uh, Illinois was starting to pull, uh, closer. And then, uh, they're about two, two and a half minutes to go. Hauser drains another three that was just kind of the dagger. Um, yeah, I think the only two times they got within single digits in the second half, well, there were three times there was, they had the first score of the second half and then Michigan state eliminated it and then was playing really most of the second half anywhere from like a 13 to a 17 point lead. I think the highest it got 19. Um, so it was right at the beginning of the half. Then there was the bucket they got just before Hauser's three. And then the three, the meaningless three at the end, which cut it to nine, the final margin. Um, a tremendous game. And, and I'm, I'm going to say I was partially right and partially wrong about a few things. And <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. One of the things I do feel I was kind of right about, and, and this is not any kind of knock on what Michigan State did, but I had said, I think, you know, Michigan State probably needs pretty close to an A game. And you need Illinois to maybe be a C-plus version of themselves. Mm. I think if Michigan State had a lot to do with a lot of the things that Illinois struggled with, as much as anything else psychologically. I yeah. thought, if I'm Brad Underwood, i got to be really worried about my team because they apparent, they don't get tested very much physically. They got tested physically, and they failed the test. Yeah. Massive. They, they got lost into Coburn's heads. head big time in the first half. They got into DeSunday. It was everybody. Uh, yeah. It was I everybody. Mean. But, but, you know, beyond that, I think that um, you look at, at some of the things that – the way Illinois shot free throws. Now, they're not a great free throw shooting team, but they're not as bad as they were tonight. That was – and they had guys, you know, DeSunday missing three or four. Now, I think that was actually as big as Hauser's three. Because that was coming out of that timeout, and you're coming in, you're up 10. He's got a flagrant two, so it's two shots in the ball. He misses both. They get possession. He gets fouled again. He misses one of the following two free throws. That was leaving three points on the table that could have taken it to a six-point game. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's still nine. Michigan State, I think it was right after that, I think, was Hauser's three. I believe Um, so. Yeah. But in any event, yeah, it was just, it, it just, that team really has an issue that they've, they've got to figure out because they didn't handle adversity at all. I mean, it's one thing to get beat, but we can think about Michigan State teams in the past. 
not a lot of occasion that I can recall seeing team-wide Michigan State taking a loss against somebody and reacting the body language and the, the crying and, and the visible frustration yeah. that Illinois' entire team reacted with tonight. That's if, if your goal is to go out and get to a Final Four, maybe win a national championship, which is that team's goal, and it should be. They're good enough in, in theory. Um, one thing you can't have, man, you think this is bad? <laughs> if, you get, if you get into, say, an Elite Eight game with a Baylor who's different than Michigan State but very, very physical in their own right, mm. or a Virginia, somebody like that that's just going to grind you, are you kidding me? You can't react like that. And it's kind of late in the day for that team to be figuring it out. So I don't know. That that would be the thing I would be very worried about if I were an Illinois fan. And, and I got to believe Brad Underwood is is concerned about it too because that was a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Losing is not the end of the world. On the road in the Big Ten, a team that's desperate, that's not such a big deal. But because, frankly, you know, the Big Ten title race is essentially decided. I mean, they were two yeah, games no, in college, but now it really is. But, I mean, it was going to be tough anyway. Um, now, you know, it's it's over. But uh, it, it's it's not about that. It's about, you know, what is it – how do you react to a situation like that as a team psychologically? How do you handle it? And what I saw was a team that just melted down. Yeah, they fell apart. Yeah, no and, and conversely, I thought – Michigan State was outstanding. I mean, this was this was vintage Michigan State basketball. I was going to say, I thought I was watching the Flintstones at one point there. It was it was that kind. Of, well, think about it. You look at the physicality in the paint. The way, okay, Coburn is, you know, Shaq, basically. Michigan State. We people always talk about. Well, they got four guys. That's twenty fouls. Well, they played with that ethos tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um. I didn't mind. I'm going I'm to say this, and I hope this isn't controversial. The call on Sissoko, absolutely the right call. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. You know, Sunmu, I, I you don't want to see him get clipped in the head. That It's the right call, right thing to do, all of that. That said, I'm not really that upset about it. And, and I'm not that upset about it because, to me, it was indicative, of, and he was a part of it. Matty Sissoko played. There was an earlier point where he, you know, he got um, he got Coburn, I think, on the top of the head, and they didn't call anything. They just mm. called a, I think they just called a common foul, and Coburn started going at him, and Matty just stood there and yeah. looked at. Him. And they eventually, <laughs> his teammates pulled him away, but I loved that. I know I loved that, the fact. I love that brand of basketball. I miss that. You know, you just don't and, see it very much anymore. You can't play that way. The way you could in 2000. Right. Yeah. It's or 98. It's a different sport, but Michigan State, I think every single person who has watched this team all year would answer yes to the question. They need to play with a lot more grit and a lot more toughness. Mm-hmm. Going back to the, uh, the, our, am I watching the Flintstones bit that you just mentioned? Maybe just not just the general physicality. The biggest thing, Joshua Langford, 16 rebounds i'm not sure charlie bell had a better individual rebounding game than that i'm not sure his career history has yeah he tied his career high at halftime you're right for five years five years i've been talking on this podcast from his freshman year on about josh langford has the physical tools the potential to be a better rebounder than he is yeah. And he would occasionally show flashes. You know, we can all think of probably happens once every three or four games where Josh has an offensive rebound where he comes flying from out of nowhere mm-hmm. and, and goes up high. He's done it this year, but that's it. That's at one end. The, the fact that he had 13 defensive rebounds in this game, my God, I mean, that was vintage Michigan state basketball. Outscoring, and we don't have the official totals on this, unfortunately, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the TV's, the TV guy's word for it. Michigan State outscores Illinois in the paint. Not an easy thing to do at all. 
Um, that is vintage Michigan State basketball. Not necessarily the way they did it. You know, a lot of that came via Aaron Henry. And, you know, usually Michigan State, it's a five-man or a four-man who's doing the damage. But then again, honestly, the way they played, they went with that smaller lineup a good amount tonight. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Henry was playing the four a lot, so maybe I guess it wasn't so off the the standard equation. (laughs) But seeing all of those things, the, the way they defended, it was it was just yeah it's it's what you know this program is about but there was I, I can scarcely think of a negative in this game the only which is why thing, I say I think it was an a, I think it was an A game for Michigan State the only thing I could say is is Hogard Hogard got crossed up a few times was out of position defensively and Frazier got some well, plays what, yes, a lot he, of what they got wasn't was against Hogard. Yeah, and and that you know, look, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this: on balance, given what my expectations are for AJ, you're right about that. They they had a definitely a couple of possessions where uh, he didn't know, he didn't understand the switch, and it left a shooter wide open. They, that happened with the Sunmo a couple of times too. Yeah. And it was insane. Yeah. That's the last guy in the world you leave open, but. um but generally speaking, given where AJ is as a player, you know, one for two from the floor, uh, two assists, one steal, no turnovers. Mm-hmm. And he did have one really good defensive play where he tied up to some who just yeah. stood him up. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, those are, I guess, the moments where if you're inclined to think there's a breakthrough coming for AJ Hogarth at some point, those are the moments you would look at and say, well, look, physically, He's a guy with strength and size in the backcourt, and once he figures out the mental part of it, you're going to have a guy who can actually be a contributor defensively. Yeah. Okay. Those would be moments you would you would use as Exhibit A, and and I'll buy that. But again, long long way to go. But that's a look. If AJ Hogart is the worst thing about what you did as a team, that's a pretty damn good night. I mean, the only other thing I would guess mild nitpick. And it, it was much, much better down the stretch when it needed to be. 13 for 20 at the line, 65%. little below, you know, they shoot closer to 75. I think they're actually 73 or 74 as a team. That was fueled by an, a just incomprehensible start at the line mm-hmm. where they had guys in the first half that are legitimately very, very good free throw shooters. Josh Langford, um, I think um, – Henry missed a couple. Yeah, missed from like, uh, uh, yeah, but that came later. Hauser missed one in the first half. Yeah, um, Watts, I think, missed. So there were guys that you you say, "Oh, Josh missed two, if I remember correctly. He had a two shot foul. No, I must have one. It was a one on one. It was a it was a one on one. Yeah, but but even so, again, I'm nitpicking because for whatever Michigan State struggles were, Illinois were a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else, I mean, wow. Yeah, I, uh, it's they just, lost the well. I should, you know, they lost the rebounding battle. Um, it didn't seem they got like doubled they got... up sixteen to eight on offensive rebounds. That's not ideal. Uh, on the other hand, eight turnovers. Illinois had eleven, so that made up for at least a bit of that. Mm. And Illinois kind of got them in bunches. Like there was a run late in the game when it was kind of, it kind of didn't matter where Illinois got three or four offensive rebounds yeah. in one position. I didn't feel it played that badly, mm-hmm. but, but they got, you know, they had troubles there. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the guys uh, that stuck out to me, Rocket Watts, um, 15 points, a rebound, yeah. five assists, five for 11, um, five for seven from the line, a steal, only one turnover. Um, yeah. Uh, great he looked game. like he was back. To his old and, self, and me. and I think for the most part, pretty damn good defensively. They, yeah, he was one of the guys, and there were a few of them that had some trouble in the second half guarding Curbelo. Curbelo was getting a lot done at the rim, and that's a that's a kid. Honestly, you should be playing off of because he can't shoot. He's like 17% on the year from three. And Michigan State wasn't doing that. They were kind of still glued to him, and he was able to take advantage. But but that wasn't all rocket. Uh, he took his turns on Dasunmu and Frazier like everybody else did. And, yeah, stepped up defensively. But the biggest thing, clearly, 
is he played heavy, heavy minutes. I don't have the final minutes in front of me, but I'm going to guess Rocket probably played about 33, 34 minutes. 31. 31. Okay. Um, Still heavy minutes. And 32 for Gabe Brown. Yeah, God, he was kind of quiet. Yeah. But we'll we'll get into that, the lineup stuff. But um, sticking with Rocket, I I thought it was – we you know we talked about it. I thought he was quietly pretty damn good against Indiana. Mm. You know, he took it up a level. This is the Rocket Watts that I think we all expected to see. Mm-hmm. You know, thirteen points, five assists, only one turnover, so he kept the mistakes limited. Solid defense, just running, doing enough to run the team. And you see, you know, when it was crunch time, MSU was playing through Aaron Henry as they should. Yeah. And they've, they've got something there, but you'd still need Rocket to do the things that he did throughout the game. And he did a very, very solid job of it against a very good defensive team, mm-hmm. team with a lot of good defensive guards. So I, I don't think you're wrong. Other guys had, there were a couple of other guys that hit bigger numbers, but I don't know if anybody stands out as having made, maybe other than Josh as having made a more important contribution to MSU being able to get a win in this game than Rocket Watts, because we know the offensive struggles this year, a lot of that is attributable to the fact that they just haven't had that play at his position. Mm-hmm. Well, he's starting to give it to them. And, I mean, and the extended minutes, look out. you know, when he gets, when he's got 31 minutes like that, cause he gets, points in such a hurry, you know, it's just like three minutes go by and bang, he's got eight points, you know, just think he, he needs to be in that 30 minute range. Well, I think with this team now, very clearly he does because you can't look, as I said, I think they got by with Hogard on the floor tonight, but you can't, you can't play him any more than they are. I get nervous every time he gets on the floor. Um, if you had lawyer healthy, you could be playing lawyer those minutes and maybe even a couple more and you could get rocket a little more rest. But right now I don't think you've got a choice. And honestly, with the way this is going, I don't think you screw with it. Even assuming Foster comes back and can play. Mm. I think it becomes Foster taking AJ's minutes and that's kind of where it sits for me until, until rocket plays his way out of it. You know, rocket played his way out of his role at certain points this year. Well, now he's playing his way back in. And I think, you know, if we had said before, if someone had told us before the season, Rocket Watts going to play 31 minutes a night, I don't think we would have been totally shocked. No. Right? That was kind of my expectation. Maybe a couple less, but I figured heavy, heavy minutes. It would have to be Mm. because they didn't have any other answer. Well, where are we now? You don't really have any other answer. So, you need to do this. I mean, the only other option right now for MSU is to do what they've done a couple of times recently, and you just kind of try to steal a couple minutes with Josh kind of handling the ball. And, you know, obviously they still run a ton of offense through Aaron. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I, a great night for Rocket Watts. And if he keeps this going, they can hang with anybody. I do mean anybody. Yeah. Last two games of the season. I mean, anybody. They've got a chance. Uh, and so, Joey Hauser, um, only 14 minutes in this one, 13 points, two rebounds, two assists, hit both of his threes in kind of crucial yeah. moments. Um, sure a block, did. a steal, and only two sure turnovers. The only, the only thing I didn't really like from Joey was the one turnover that was in the first half. It was in the first half where he he tried to create off the dribble and look I, my personal point of view the only two things Joey Hauser should be doing right now offensively is they should be using him in the pick and roll game as a pick and pop option for sure and then his ass should be in the interior mm. posting somebody up that's it i don't want him handling other than if it's a bailout situation i don't want him um, that's not to say that Joey Hauser doesn't have tools to potentially do those things. I think he still does, but he is in a place and hopefully not as bad a place after this game. He is in a place where he is not psychologically able 
to do those things. He's mm-hmm. just not there. Yeah. It's not his confidence level of dipped. He's just not there. So don't ask him to do it. Just make the game simplified for him. And I think for the most part, MSU and Joey did a good job of that tonight. And, you know, it's going to be one of our keys, right? Get Hauser and Hall going. Well, we got half of that. Mm-hmm. Joey Hauser, as you say, didn't play huge minutes, but the minutes he played were impactful, and he hit some big shots. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Markey, um, 11 minutes, 7 points, 2 rebounds, 3 for 3, um, 3 blocks. Great game. Yeah. I mean, steadily improving on every game here for the last three years. I think Michigan State made the right move in going to that lineup late where Joey was playing the five because it kind of, you had enough of a lead. That was very good situational basketball thinking, in my opinion, because you had enough of a lead that you knew that Illinois really can't just hammer it into Coburn now. They're down. They can't, they can't just take two point possessions. Yeah. I mean, they ended up doing a lot of that, but it wasn't so much by choice. It was Michigan State was taking away open looks from three. Mm-hmm. So their guards eventually would penetrate and score. But you knew Illinois really couldn't do that. And so consequently, and, and when they did try, when they had Coburn out there, that was when Michigan State got that three. Well, there were two possessions, actually. They got that three from Hauser, and the other one where they punished them for it is when they got Aaron on, they got Coburn switched to Aaron on a pick and roll, and Aaron just left his lingerie on the deck as, uh, <laughs> yeah. as Bill Rafferty says going to the rim just completely left him grasping at air mm-hmm. so and so Illinois eventually pulled him because I think Underwood realized that we can't we can't get back in this thing with Coburn on the floor but I was kind of surprised at first I thought the move when Kithier filed out would be they'd go back to Markey and they didn't and that's fine it worked out but Mark Bingham is playing good basketball right now he was good yeah. against Indiana. He was good again in this one. Um, you know, you tough. were, you he were was right. Engaged and tough. He bothered Coburn. He absolutely bothered Coburn. You know, he had that block, which was great, where Coburn, I think, thought he had an easy dunk or a mm-hmm. layup. And Marky just, Marky recovered, kind of got out of position. But again, that's where you can't teach 7-4 length. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it made a difference. But I, I really like the way Marcus Bainham is playing right now. And look, this is with him, with Gabe Brown, you know, with guys who are going to rock at Watts, with guys who right now you would think probably would be back. You would hope would be back. You would hope wouldn't transfer. Um, it's really important, whatever happens the rest of the way, that these guys have positive moments and show some growth heading into the off season. And right now, if Marcus Bainham can sustain this for at least another five, six games in the Big Ten tournament, um, and then who knows from there, um, that's a big deal. That's a potentially really big deal for Michigan State because I don't know that I believe there's a great chance that Marcus Bainham becomes a 25-minute-a-night guy next year. But if he could become a reliable 18-minute-a-night guy, yeah, that, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I, he's showing signs of it because it's it's the totality of his game. He's not making the mistakes he has made his entire career. You know, for the most part, over the last month, this has been the best month of Marcus Bainham's basketball career at Michigan State. I think that's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And he's not losing momentum. He's he's finding ways to help. You know, there was a, a well into this game. He had outscored Coburn. Now, Coburn eventually caught him with all those free throws. But – um there was a point where Marcus had his seven and Coburn only had six uh, in the second half. It was, yeah, a nice game from him. I don't think we should bury the lead, though, because we really haven't talked at all. We're going to talk about individuals. Let's talk about Aaron Henry and Josh Langford because yeah. those are the two guys who, other than Rocket, were the keys. Henry's stat line is insane. 39 minutes, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 for 19 uh, only 0 for 1 from 3, 2 two for 4 from the free throw line, 2 blocks, 2 steals, only 2 fouls. Yeah, um, tremendous, tremendous effort. And I loved, only only took 1-3. I loved the way he played. I loved it. This mm-hmm. this is the Aaron Henry I've been begging for, and we're seeing it now. I'll tell you what this is reminding me of. Totally different player, totally different position. But I was thinking about this tonight. And I hope it has the same kind of ending. Well, Lord Almighty, I hope it does. Um, his 
run here of late is reminding me a lot of the way Travis Trice closed his senior year. Hmm. You remember Travis had been a guy who it was a totally different scenario. Travis had been hurt a lot. He had missed almost the entirety of a couple of off seasons with injuries. So he could never really get strong enough earlier in his career. And he was always a good three point shooter, but he wasn't strong enough to do anything inside the arc. And that kind of limited him. And he was playing behind Keith Appling and, you know, it was just, it just never came together for him. And even early in his senior year, he was good, but he wasn't great. And then he kind of back half of the Big Ten season, he hit another gear and that carried right on through, um, to the final four, mm-hmm. you know, um, where he was just, his NCAA tournament run was insane as a senior. It was, it was incredible. And, and I feel like, again, totally different players, different circumstances, but I feel like Aaron Henry is hitting that kind of gear and he's not a senior, but we know this is almost certainly it for him. It seems to me like he's hitting that gear mm-hmm. where it's now it's, you know, the whole watchword with him has been consistency, 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 and we've never seen it in his career. Now we are, he is taking games over Every single night. They mentioned it. Over the last seven games now, he's averaging more than 19 points a contest. That's If you would have told me at the start of the season, at this point of the year, that's the Aaron Henry you're getting, forget the defense, the rebounding, the assists. I would have taken it in a heartbeat. And I, and again, I, I really love the way he's doing it. He's not riding a hot streak from three. Yeah. It's this fundamental, solid balls out basketball get the ball on the blocks or look to take your man to the rim if you get a if you get a matchup you like um and just do your damage there do your damage in the lane and that's what he's doing and it's been fantastic and then you add in all the other stuff and you've got a guy that honestly i i know he's not in a position to get this kind of this kind of um accolade but right now he I don't. Think, I don't think there are five. I don't think there are five other Big Ten players right now that I would take over Aaron Henry. No. Not when you take into no. account the totality of what he does. That again, he's not going to be a first team All Big Ten player. Nor, nor would I argue that he should be. But I'm saying right now and over the last month, are there five guys better than him? Nope. And then Josh, let's talk. We we did touch on Josh a little bit. But there's a lot more to his night than that. 16 rebounds, blows away his career high. Has Seriously, has to be, if you think about a guard, I'd have to go back over Charlie Bell and Denzel Valentine's careers. They might have had nights where they had a number like that, but I'm not sure of it. And it's phenomenal to see. I mean, Josh was just a monster. I thought Josh was, again, very, very good defensively in this game. And then you look at the offensive line. That that's where things have turned around for him lately. Like the yeah. last three, three, four games, I I felt coming out of that COVID layoff, he's been pretty locked in defensively the whole way. Mm-hmm. I think he's been, and I think he's been a guy who's given them, even if it wasn't efficient basketball, he was at least pressing to get something done. He was at least active, and they just didn't have enough guys even being that right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they just but now, now, six for 11 from the floor, hit his only three attempt, two for three at the line, one assist, one turnover. He had two steals in this game, so he was active there, had a block, a great block of the sun move, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, just, he's also doing everything, you know? And when you think, well, I'm going to only speak for myself. I was very much a pessimist on the idea of Josh Langford being I, – I hoped, and I said this probably ten times on this podcast, mm. my hope was if he could give MSU what they got out of Kyle Arns last year in minutes and production, I would take that in a heartbeat. They've gotten so much more already yeah. out of him than that. And, and the fact that he's come basically all the way back. Yeah. Because um, in some ways I think he's playing – I do think he's playing the best all-around basketball of his career right now. He has never been better defensively than he is right now. Yeah, and he's ne- ne- he never rebounded like this. Never rebounded like this. Now, I don't know that this has been a, 
a game in game out thing, but this was quite an eye raiser. Yeah. You, you, but you get get your attention. I mean, there's a time where, where it it would not be ridiculous to say that Josh Langford was the best mid range jump shooter in the country. Yeah. And, and, and that stroke looks to be there now. You know, that, that same mid range coming off the screen or off the barrel. Here's, here's what I like about it as opposed to the old days. Early in Josh's career, I think the objection is partially the mid-range stuff that gets into analytic talk. But I look, if you've got guys, Aaron Henry's taking a lot of what could fairly be classified as mid-range jumpers because they're not layups or dunks, but they're good shots for him. The problem early in Josh's career, and it was really the entirety of his first two years, is Josh would not take a three and then would dribble into a contested long two. Mm. That was the issue. I don't see that anymore. When Josh Langford takes a two-point jumper, now he is generally open. It is generally a good shot. Does he make them all? No. And you can argue, I suppose you can make the argument he shouldn't take them at all because it's not a high percentage shot. But I think for him, it's an, uh, this team, which struggles to get any offensive production at times anyway, it's it's a shot that they need him to take. Yeah. And I think the fact that he's taking far better quality looks now than he used to is a big change. Big, big change. So the, I also think he's driving the ball better than he ever has mm-hmm. in his MSU career. You know, he's he's gone to the rim more in the last month than I think the whole rest of his career added up. Um, so I, I don't think that's a controversial statement. I really don't that he is playing the best basketball of his MSU career right now in totality, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so look, um, those two guys, Aaron Henry and Josh Lineford, I've been saying this for a while. They're the only two guys that you could count on. Everybody else has been up and down in and out. You couldn't count on anybody else delivering you anything with consistency. Maybe that's starting to change a little bit, um, but you need those guys obviously to stay where they are, and they are showing no signs of slowing down. The two of them have been just great lately, and it's finally translating into wins because they're getting joined by enough other guys. We talked about Rocket. We talked about Joey Hauser and their breakthrough tonight. I think the totality of the five spot of what MSU got out of all of those guys was good enough tonight. You know, when you look, Julius Marble didn't play a lot because of foul trouble. He had six points, two rebounds. Okay, mm-hmm. you'll take that. Um, we talked about Marky Bainham with seven and two and then three blocks. Um, Kithier only had an offensive rebound. Well, he had an offensive rebound, an assist, and a block. Uh, and two turnovers, both on offensive fouls. Um, a little concerning play a lot. about his ankle, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll see on that. It didn't look great, but we'll, we'll see on that. Um, but I thought Thomas Kithier early in that game, when he first got in that game, he drew an offensive foul mm-hmm. on, uh, I remember, I think it was Coburn, um, took an elbow to the head. And I thought Thomas early kind of kept the beat going that nobody who was playing really let Coburn get rolling. Yeah. Everybody did their part of, in playing physically. And then we talked about Maddie. I mean, Maddie's stat line. Maddie's got goose eggs except for fouls. He has three fouls. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I don't care because Maddie Sissoko helped set a tone mm-hmm. physically in this game that was very, very important. So I give him credit too. He made a contribution even with the donuts on the stat line. His just pure yeah. aggression, I mean, makes a difference. It, you know, yeah. it just, it just does. It's a, it's a tone setter, you know, and, and, and he's got value for this team in a game like this, you know, uh, they got those two games looming against Michigan, right? And they got another game against Trace Jackson Davis. You can use that. Mm-hmm. If you got Maddie Sissoko kind of angry, <laughs> he's, he's, I'll take that. Yeah. Put him out there. Put Hunter Dickinson on his ass a time or two. That's cool. Yeah, you know, make them shoot. Let's make, let's make Trace Jackson Davis earn something. You know, that's okay. And and right now, I think that's it. It's finally the last two games. I think you can say 
Michigan State's numbers at the position, I was almost going to say depth. It's too early and tenuous to say that. But their number of players that he can roll out at that spot is finally starting to become a positive, you know, and it was positive in this game. They just kept rolling guys at Coburn. And, you know, you can say, well, they just kept putting Coburn on the line, but here's the other thing. Coburn shot five for 11. I believe Kofi is shooting something like 68% from the floor this year. Let me, let me see. I should be able to get that number pretty easily here. Um, he was shooting. Yeah, he was shooting six, 68 68.1% from the floor. He went <laughs> 5 for 11 tonight. A lot of that was a result of Michigan State's physicality, mm-hmm. bottom line, that he wasn't able to finish plays. Yeah. You know, and, and it was frustrated or he just was, you know, bothered by the contact. I think, you know, it was fun. Donnie Marshall, I think, did a really good job as the analyst in this game. Um, he said something like, yeah, this kid gets fouled more than anybody. And, you know, a lot of times it's like the Shaq phenomenon where he gets fouled. He doesn't get a call because he's so strong. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that does happen. But I didn't think Kofi Coburn reacted well at all to physicality tonight. Not at all. And I don't even just mean the three for 11 at the line. I mean his floor game. Mm-hmm. Kofi Coburn should never shoot five for 11 from the floor. If he does, there's something wrong. There's either something wrong with the shots he's taking. That wasn't the case in this game. It was that I think his frustration he allowed to bleed into his performance. Michigan State yeah. got to him. Yeah. They got yeah. to that whole team. There was, a, there was a, a a little sequence. I can't remember exactly what it was where he he got fouled or something or, or maybe missed or that he was running back down the court and twice you saw Langford kind of give him just a tiny bit, like little shot with an elbow. And then he kind of bounced off it a little bit. And then somebody else gave him a shot, like just, just constant nagging shots to just get it's a, under his skin. You know, it's a, yes. And I think that was by intent, you know, I, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up about Josh. Cause we've never talked about that. Josh Langford, by all accounts, is one of the greatest, nicest kids who's ever been in the program. Everybody says that about him. Okay. It's a, it's a unanimous, universal opinion. And you would never think this, but have you noticed there was an occasion in the Indiana game where Indiana had to call timeout. Michigan State was on a run and Indiana was going back to their huddle and Josh was trying to get back to Michigan State. Oh, and he bumped. And I, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who, I think it was Race Thompson. He just went yeah. through him. Yeah. And he's done that a couple of other times this year. I've, I've never mentioned it, but when you bringing that up, it, Josh Langford is, is low key becoming a thug. <laughs> <laughs> Which I yeah. mean in the best part, not the John Beeline sense that got him fired. Please, folks. <laughs> Josh Langford is becoming, let's say Josh Langford's becoming an aggressive player. He, he's um, taking on the role of, of, like that Rick Mahorn kind of role. Get under somebody's A little game, bit. Yeah, it's a little different. But but I think, look, this, again, you can't play the way that the bad boys did or, or the early era, early Izzo era Michigan State did. You can't play that way anymore. It doesn't work. But there's a line between that and the way they've been playing most of this year where, frankly, physically, they've gotten punked. Yeah, just- and, and they are finding – they are fine. I thought they played with good physicality against Indiana. Indiana is a physical team. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michigan State stood up to it. Uh, this game, I think they not only stood up to it, I think they whipped Illinois mm-hmm. physically. And that's hard to do because Illinois is a physical team. Even those guards, some of those, you know, Dasunmu, Williams, Miller, some of those guys are built for backcourt players. And we know what Coburn's like. We know what Georgie's like. That's a physical team. And Michigan State not only didn't back down, they took the fight to them. And it matters. Yeah. It really matters. And and you see why. It doesn't have to mean, oh, you're out there, you know, just uh, knocking people around and not playing basketball. Michigan State played a very, very good basketball game tonight. But they used physicality, I think, to set a tone. And it kind of built from there. Mm-hmm. Early on, it was established. They were not going to let Coburn just dominate. Yeah, yeah. He was going to have to earn everything he got. And it wore on him. And so now, now if you're Michigan State, how can you not take that forward? You know, the rest of these matchups are different. You know, they got EJ Liddell next. EJ Liddell, 
could make you pay for that kind of play. And, you know, EJ Liddell is going to shoot better than three for 11 at the line. If you give them that many free throw attempts, Hunter Dickinson would too. But I think the principle is still the same. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta make those guys earn every Trace Jackson Davis too. You gotta make them earn every single thing they get. And you've got four guys, assuming Kithier is okay. You've yeah. got four guys that can play inside. Use them. Yeah. Cause none of them, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, Marky playing a really good game and he did, but I'm still nowhere near the point where I'm like, oh, my God, we got to preserve Marcus Bingham if he's in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. No, there's nobody like that among the four. You let them go. Yeah. Let them play. Let them play hard. Let them be physical. If they get called for some fouls, okay. If they're the right kind of fouls as they were tonight, you take them. Michigan State didn't commit many bad fouls tonight. That's also another, you know, you're gonna people are going to look at this stat line and they're going to see Illinois attempted 34 free throws. Like, my God. And and that has been an issue at times for MSU this season where they just couldn't defend without fouling. I didn't think that was the case tonight. I thought the fouls that they committed were, if there is such a thing, the right fouls for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, one other thing I think we should talk about before we, we turn to the keys, mm-hmm. um, the lineups. Um, I We talked about it some here. And... I talked about it a lot more on the Spartan Mag board. There was a lot of enthusiasm coming out of the IU game for the small ball lineup. Yeah. Oh, they found something. And I said, well, I'd love that to be the case. I don't have faith in that. One, because matchups will be different. And, and two, you know, Indiana as a team, you would think you could get away with that a little bit better than some others, like Illinois, for example, uh, with the way they rebound. Um, and also because Michigan State has shown no consistency. This year to sort of think that suddenly you found the magic. I have to say for a second straight game, they played it a lot and it worked. You know, Gabe did not have a huge game. Gabe had, I guess we didn't talk about Gabe. Gabe had five points, but four rebounds and an assist and a block um, and was pretty good defensively. And he was efficient. He was two for four from the floor, one for two from three. So it's not like he wasn't, playing well enough. It's just he didn't have the same kind of impact game he did in Bloomington. Um, But I do think you'd have to say that this was a second straight game in which that lineup played a lot of, paid a lot of dividends. I think the difference is tonight when they did play Joey Hauser and they, and he did come in and they went bigger, they got more out of it. That's an equation. I think that's the difference. Mm Mm-hmm. You wouldn't beat Illinois tonight, probably, without the contributions Joey made. You know, I mean, it's 13 yeah. points. So they, I firmly believe they need Joey Hauser. And frankly, I still think they need Malik Call playing better. And Malik barely played tonight. Uh, second straight game. And he didn't do anything when he was in there. I, I still maintain they have to find a way to get basketball out of Malik. But right now, it kind of looks like he's the odd guy out. Mm-hmm. At the moment, because they're going to keep rolling those centers in. Hogard's going to play at least some minutes until Lawyer's back. Um, and then, you know, if, if you've got Joey's minutes down, then, you know, there, there just isn't a lot of room for Malik. So, but I, I still think those two guys are, are going to be key. It doesn't mean that they have to each be playing 25 minutes a night, but they have to get better basketball out of them. They got it tonight from Joey in a big way. I'd like to see Malik get on track too, and obviously Joey continue that. But all that aside, look, I think you play this way with this group, playing the kind of minute you mentioned. What did Gabe play? Twenty some minutes again? Thirty three. Thirty three. Okay, that, that's where the change is. It's it's Gabe because Josh and Aaron are basically playing. You know, they've been playing heavy minutes all year. They're still playing heavy minutes. The center spot is what it is. You've now got Rocket playing heavy minutes, but that's to be expected. The difference is Gabe Brown. Mm -hmm. It's Gabe Brown going from being a guy in the mid-teens to Gabe Brown playing 33. And for the moment, I don't think you can argue with it. So I'm not going to try. I was skeptical that this was a an all-purpose solution. I still don't think it's that entirely. But there's no arguing with the, with the fact that they're playing better and that they've won two games that they were underdogs in playing that way. And so, Gabe Brown stretch. I mean, he's he's shooting like 45 plus on the well, year now. That is the three. argument. And the, he the argument. 
the argument is that when you have Gabe on the floor, he puts more stress on a defense to have to pay attention to the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is that was not the game that was, well, at least it was not the game in terms of production tonight. Michigan State was, when we'll talk about this again in the keys, Michigan State only took eight threes. They were four for eight. So really efficient. Yeah. But they didn't get a lot done. They there, didn't produce. There was that one play though in transition, um, where Rocket Watts was driving up the middle and the defender had to make a decision whether he came yep. in and cut him off or, or, uh, flew out to the corner to get Gabe. He went out to the corner to yeah. get Gabe and then Rocket got a layup. Yeah. And, and that's going to be the argument is that the, the stress that that puts on a defense is creating more opportunities. It's making it easier for Aaron Henry to operate inside. It's making it easier for Rocket Watts to get to the rim. Maybe make it easier for Josh Langford to get some of those open looks that yeah. he's getting with shorter jumpers. Um, all of those things. And I'm, look, I'm not going to argue with it. Um, I still need to see it more to be convinced that, hey, this is it. And now the Michigan State's playing with this group predominantly. All of a sudden the switch is flipped and we're going to continue to see them playing at the level they did tonight. But this is one more bit of evidence that we didn't have on Saturday. Mm. So I have to be willing to accept, hey, you look at what they did. Um, and playing that lineup, playing this way, produced a, an even better result than it did in Bloomington. So hats off. And if it were me, I'd continue to roll with this until it's clear it's not working. Yeah. And by the way, in the next game against Ohio State, I think there's a reasonable chance they can play with that group again because Ohio State is not a huge team. You know, Ohio State starts Liddell and Kyle Young basically. Now you're going to be giving up something with size wise with Aaron Henry against Young, but if that's the matchup, but, um, you know, Aaron can hang physically with guys like that. Um, and, you know, then obviously maybe you get a little more out of Joey. I don't know. But Ohio State's a game that I think you can probably look to play that way. They play Indiana again, so you figure they can do that again. Maryland's not a particularly big team. And then you've, then you got Michigan for the last two. And, and frankly, Michigan is a one, is a four out one in team too. So this might play out. Mm-hmm. It's it's clear to me that the impact, what you could say about this game and, and really the IU game too, is the impact is clearly on the offensive end, right? They're playing much better basketball offensively the last yeah. two games. So it's having an impact there. The question is, do you lose too much defensively or on the glass? Thus far, the answer is no. That's yeah. where I still have my worry, as well as, does the offense continue to click better? I I think the the glass would be more of a concern for me than the than the defense. I think the it, they get significantly better on the perimeter with those with when you got Rocket, Langford, and Henry. Oh, defensively, yeah. yes, yeah, but the um, glass I, might suffer. Well, and and look, there's but that's something that they've and they did it again tonight. That's something they've done well all years. We talked about it. To me, it's look, we're, we're going to hit. The two big keys to me in any Michigan State basketball game for this team are can they limit the opponent from three and can they get some semblance of scoring going in the paint? Well, check, check tonight (laughs) and check, check, and check, check in Bloomington. Mm -hmm. So, and, and at, at least really, I think it's something that's held up the entirety of the Big Ten schedule. If they do those two things, they can compete with anyone. If they don't, or they only do one of them, they're going to struggle. I mean, my goodness, if Josh Lankford's going to get 16 rebounds a game, I, <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a boy. And, you know, Illinois kind of definitely won the rebounding battle tonight. Where would they have been without Josh? Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I really, well, we should get to so the, the keys. keys yeah. This is, so number one, limit, limiting threes, Illinois, five for 17, 29%. Okay. So if you go back and you look at what Illinois has done this year, Illinois is not a heavy-duty shooting team in a volume sense from three. Okay, and I actually do have the full stats up now, so I'm looking at those. I believe we said Illinois averages 19 attempts a game, so they hold them two below that. Okay, that's a good number. And and it was – 
you know, somebody might say, well, they spent all their time trying to go in the post to Coburn. Not, not really. You know, Illinois, I absolutely think would have preferred to get more open looks from three. Michigan State didn't allow it. Mm-hmm. The couple of times they got open looks were just a result of some blown tires, as you said, guys not communicating well enough. Other than that, I thought Michigan State was really good at running them off the line. And, you know, yeah, they, they got a couple late, too, real late. Well, they got the one at the end of the game. So they yeah. were they were actually four for 16. They were 25% before the, the last shot of the game. Um, but you would you would take that number any day of the week. So from a percentage point of view, remember, this is the number 10 three-point shooting team in the country, better than 39% from three. Michigan State holds them 10% below that average and holds them two attempts below their seasonal average. Those are both very, very positive numbers. Mm. Uh, so the second key, get the ball to the rim. Okay. Illinois had 34 points in the paint. Michigan State, 38. Now, they didn't hit kind of my magic number. I went back and I looked at the Big Ten season thus far. Michigan State only scored more than 50% of their points in the paint twice. They did it against Penn State, which was a win, and then they did it against Indiana. They didn't quite hit that today, 38 and the final scoring total was 81. But I'm going to still claim it as a victory because a lot of that got padded at the end with the free throws. Yeah. yeah. Which don't count as paint points. So, truthfully, Michigan State did that. And they outscored a team that is really, really tough in the lane. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it's positives all the way around. You can't – from this Michigan State team, I cannot ask for more than what they got tonight. More than they gave tonight, rather. Uh, and turnovers. Huge success. I mean, Illinois is not a great turnover team, and they were decent. 11 is a number I'm sure they feel like they can live with in a game that was re- played reasonably quickly. I mean, it wasn't up and down racehorse basketball, but this was not dawdling basketball at all. This was played at a reasonable pace. But MSU with eight, just fantastic. I mean, you had three guys. You had Aaron with two turnovers, but five assists. Um, you had uh, Joey Hauser, two turnovers, two assists. And then you had Kithier with two turnovers, one assist, but his turnovers were both on offensive fouls, so they barely count, in my opinion, as turnovers. <laughs> um, not bad. Not bad. You know, you said Rocket, five assists, one turnover. Aaron and Rocket combined, ten assists, three turnovers. Better wow. than 3-1 for most two guys. You'll take that any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then threes. You know, (laughs) here's the biggest surprise in this game to me. Now, I'm still a firm believer that it's post-player bust for this team. they got to get points in the paint. But what we saw at Indiana was kind of the equation I thought we needed to see tonight, which is success in the paint will end up resulting in good looks from three. Mm Mm-hmm. And they need to cash in. If you would have told me that they could win this game essentially by double digits, nearly, they win it by nine, um, and only have four makes from three, I wouldn't have thought that was a recipe for success. I thought Michigan State, to win a game like this, needed to get more sustained production out from out there. Maybe, you know, seven or eight threes, like double what they got. So it's a surprise to me. The great thing is, you know, they were obviously very select. First of all, they were intent on getting the ball inside, inside the arc, in the paint, and they did a great job at that. So they didn't settle. And then, honestly, I thought Illinois did a reason. I didn't think Michigan State was passing up threes. No. Um, I just thought there weren't a lot there, and so they didn't force anything. So, hey, you can't argue with four for eight when you win. Mm-hmm. But it surprised me a little bit. I thought part of the equation was going to need to involve – MSU producing from out there and that, you know, they were efficient, but they didn't get a lot, a lot done, um, production wise. Uh, and then Hauser and Hall. Well, we talked about that, you know, Malik Hall, unfortunately, you know, five minutes in this case, he's played eight minutes in the last two games combined. The only thing he had one assist in this game. That's the only thing he did. He's still, you still got to find a way, I believe. I don't, I don't think. This thing ends the way people want it to end if Malik Hall is continuing to play like this. 
But Joey Hauser, a big positive in only 14 minutes. But, man, three for three from the floor, two for two from three, five for six at the line, two boards, two assists. He did have the two turnovers. He had a block. He had a steal. I thought Joey Hauser was exactly the kind of Joey Hauser this team needs, mm-hmm. point blank. And if it if it's only going to be in 14 minutes, if there are 14 minutes like this, you'll take it every day of the week. I mean, he's almost a point-a-minute man. 13 points in 14 minutes. You can't argue with that. Uh, well, um, this is the biggest win of the year so far. I would <laughs> That's think. pretty uh, mild. Understatement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Thursday, nine o'clock, number four ranked team in the country, OSU. Um, although they get them at home again. So, yeah. And, and I thought, I think, I don't know if we talked about it here as much. Uh, we wouldn't have had a reason to, but I, I did get into this on the Spartan Mag board the other day. Actually, that that game was a 17-point loss, but MSU was down 10 with three minutes to play. Mm. They were at least in touch, and then it just kind of got out of hand down the stretch with free throws. Uh, so I do think that was a game, if you remember that game, it was coming off the Rutgers abomination. So it was the second game back. And that was a game that I thought Michigan State actually did a pretty decent job at creating shots. They just couldn't hit anything. Mm. And I thought defensively they were okay. They weren't great, but Ohio State is an elite offensive team. So they were they were pretty decent all in all. Um, different team than Illinois, certainly. They don't have the physical tools that Illinois ha- throws at you. But, you know, there's one difference here. Ohio State is a great offensive team, just as Illinois is. Ohio State is not a very good defensive team at all. They are the third worst in the conference, as a matter of fact. Only Iowa and Nebraska are worse. So you have to look at this, if you're Michigan State, say, we just beat a top-five team, so now we know this group can do this. We've got a team coming in that is certainly very, very good. I would never claim otherwise, but they are a flawed team, and their flaw is the defensive end. They're kind of – their profile is – too similar to Iowa's for comfort. <laughs> if I were, if I were um, Chris Holtman, they're not as bad as Iowa defensively, but they're not good, and they're really good offensively. So they're going to stress Michigan State's defense. But honestly, the defensive end is where I think if you're a Michigan State fan, you need to have some level of confidence. Mm-hmm. As long as long as you're not double and triple teaming Luca Garza. You know, which, which by the way, we should mention that before we leave the Illinois game entirely. This was an example of a game where I think what Michigan State was doing, swarming Coburn, was absolutely the right thing. And truthfully, that's right. We probably we should have talked about it more in the preview, and we didn't. So I'll they, take the hit on that because he doesn't pass. Right. Yeah. If, if your big man doesn't pass, that's a that's a golden opportunity. Fine, swarm him. If the kid's not not gonna not gonna kick it out. What do you have to lose? And so Michigan State did a really good job with that. That will not be the case against DJ Liddell, but um, but in any event, I think there is an opportunity here. Now, this is one game at a time. You can't get too far ahead of yourselves. You need, in my view, if you really want to be firmly in the conversation come championship week, you need three more. I think and and. I don't care who they come against because, by definition, at least one of them would also be against a top five team. Because mm-hmm. you got two against Michigan, one against Ohio State. So if you're going to go three and two, you've got to win one of those three games. And then you got Maryland and Indiana. But you know, all you can ask for, if you're Michigan State, and you've done what you've done this season, is a chance, and they have a chance. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like a horrible version of last season. <laughs> where, you know, we basically said at a certain point, they were three games back of Maryland, I think, mm-hmm. and with maybe six or seven to play. And we said, look, it's a, I know I said this at least, like, look, yeah. this is the Big Ten title is over. So right. just you need to concentrate on getting better. So you're peaking come tournament time and you do damage there. And all Michigan State does is go out and grab a share of the title. Mm-hmm. It kind of it feels like there's at least the possibility of that a very different, more desperate version, but 
nevertheless, at, at least the chance is there, just as it was with that team. If you remember, that team rolled up wins over highly ranked teams, a bunch of them on the road, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, they had to go the hard way to do that. Um, this team, it's again, a bunch of highly ranked teams, but the majority of the games left, three of them are at home and only one of them do you leave the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's all there for them if they want it. Yeah. They just got to go grab it. Playing like tonight would do a world of good to reaching that goal. Yep. Well, the tournament hopes are still alive. Ohio State on Thursday, 9 o'clock. Uh, until the pregame of that, we'll get that up in the next few days. The Final Four is not on schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.